Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's going on? You are listening to Talk About Gay Sex. I'm your host, Steve Rodriguez, where we bring you our weekly provocative podcast about the hot world of gay sex. This week's topic, finding your fetish. I am joined by one of my favorite sidekicks, uh, Steve Stephen Carpenter, Steve Carpenter. Steve, no, and unless you're I, my, my mother and you're mad at me. And I tried to call so. you that the other day, and I know you got a little offended. As <laughs> people take liberties on the Stephen, Steve, like I have. Well, the gay community does it all the time. If you're, if, if they won't call you Mike, it's Michael. And if you call them Mike and say, no, it's Michael. It's like, oh, girl, get over it. I know. And if you go so. on my Facebook, it's Steve. It's clearly Steve. Yet I love, you're right. It's the gay license. Stephen, how are you? Jonathan, how are you? I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Um, Today we have a great host or a great guest that we are going to introduce in a minute. But I wanted to like catch up with you a little bit. Mm -hmm. You and I hang out at the at our what I call my Cheers bar at the Eagle all the time. The the watering hole. The watering hole. (laughs) Oftentimes you're baking and bringing things in there. Occasionally, occasionally, if the bartenders are good. Exactly, exactly. He said he would bring in bakery goods today, but he didn't have enough time, and no worries. I'm I'm trying to keep my summer body here. Okay. Yes, but okay. Um, so we meet up there. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about fetish. Um, the Eagle being a BDSM, one of the last remaining, if you will. The only. Only fetish. The only remaining, and it's nowhere near <laughs> what the old Eagle was. Exactly, so, and for it's, people it's, that don't, times have changed a little bit. But yes, that is the fetish place. If you know, if you're well, unless you're you're into bears, then you there are there are other. If, you're, if your fetish is bears, then there are other places to go. Exactly so. right, and we both have our own stories, and we've shared our stories there. Mm-hmm. And one of the topics that I want to explore today is that when you do have your sort of cheers, and I'm doing air quotes, cheers bar, mm-hmm. um, how do you? still manage to keep it sexy and not feel like you're... Because, um, like, for example, I know a lot of the bartenders there. I know the people that work there. So yeah. often, like a Cheers bar, you know so many people there, it's like, how do you then get your game on, if you will? Um, and you and I, I feel like, have had stories and examples right. of it, how it's worked. Mm-hmm. But um, 
Yeah, so you have an interesting story. You have a Sunday story that I think would be fascinating to, to tell. <laughs> oh, the Sunday uh, husband. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about him because it's, you were telling me. Yeah. So, so it's it's a guy I met at the Eagle, and it's funny because he comes in and he doesn't talk to me. He comes to the bar and he'll come stand like within a couple of feet of me, so he so I know that he's there. And then he goes to the back of the bar and he waits back there for me to come say hello. So, and, and then what happens when you go um, say hello, or do you even say hello? Because I thought you once told me that you don't even there is no communication. It's just you well, get to business. Communication, it just may not be verbal. Got it. Got <laughs> it. Got it. Got so, and he has certain things that he likes that um, apparently um, uh, he feels I do quite well. So, um, yeah. So. Uh, it, it's an interesting story because he, you know, he he comes in fairly regularly as I do, um, and actually we did talk a couple of weeks ago, so and it was funny because I, I I had started I've been working a, a, a different day job so uh, I haven't been there on Sundays very much so I saw him late on a Saturday, and uh, you know, he says he says where have you been I haven't seen you around <laughs> oh so you did get a few words oh, out yeah, of him oh yeah we did um, you oh, want to know where I was <laughs> good good he wasn't he wasn't being properly taken care of apparently so. <laughs> so that kind of layers into what we're talking about a little bit is that like how like I think would be interesting is how did that whole chemistry develop and this whole idea where you call him your Sunday husband and how did all that like transpire and take, you know, initially well, occur? We kind of we kind of hooked up, you know, at one point and um, he just say he liked my talents, put it that way. I see. I see. <laughs> Got it. Without getting too graphic, which I know this, it's early in the, it in the podcast. By it's the early. end of this, I'm sure we'll be giving much more detail. Yeah. But um, don't worry, we're going to explore this a little bit more. I just wanted true. you to give a little bit of teaser. But we just, to that. you know, we just kind of, you know, there there was a chemistry there that worked works for both of us. You know, I find him very attractive. I don't know if he finds me attractive, but he but he likes he likes my talents. So. Exactly. Um, okay. Good. Being a musician, I have good embouchure, which is um, a mouth position. <laughs> oh, okay. Got it. Got it. We get it. We get it. If that gives you any, yeah, we'll 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 give into a that. little bit more into it. But this yes. would be a good time to introduce our um, guest today, um, Marcos. Welcome to Gay Sex Today. How you doing? Hey, Steve. I'm great. Um, happy to be here. Absolutely, it's Marcos. Yeah, absolutely. Marcos and I met. Uh, we met um, actually at a bar that you work at. Yeah, Barracuda. Barracuda, and you and I got to talking about um, rope, rope play, or what's the actually? I love it and I explore with it, but what's the actual word or terminology? Because I know it comes from Japanese, correct? Well. And the Western Hemisphere is bondage, actually. Um, but um, I started with uh, the Chinese, um, Jap uh, excuse me, the Japanese traditional bondage, which is called, which is called shibari. It's more than just bondage. It's more like a ritual. It, it involves a lot of complicated um, interpersonal relationship. And the way you do it, it's not just about tying someone. Right, right. And what I've learned about it is that it um, the rope can actually feel sensual. It's oftentimes it shouldn't necessarily be about pain, although there can be a whole domination domination thing going on. And then the way I explored it with you was for a fashion show that I produced called Fashion to Fetish. Oh, but, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But because great. I had to be 
you know, directing and producing, I needed my arms free, and I, I kind of wanted to be, I guess it could be a bossy bottom, but... <laughs> not <laughs> so, you. Not me, no. Oh, no. Um, but Margot's tied me up, and mm-hmm. in a way where I could still... It, it ended up being somewhat of a fashion... Well, it was very interesting, the challenge that you presented to me, because um, not just the fact that you wanted to have freedom with your hands and your legs and your limbs, but also you wanted to be fashionable. And sometimes um, role play is more about the restriction other than just looking pretty, though when it comes to the shibari, it's about both. Right, mm-hmm. right. But I did interpret it in a couple different ways, too, because the restraint that it did pose on me kept me in a disciplined manner where I was able to then, like, you know, lash out orders, and I was that day, if anybody was working on my team. So, I, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyways, so that's a little bit about us today. Today, I want to kind of talk about, um, as we always do in a conversational manner, it's always about gay sex, it's free, it's tell us what you think, but um, I want to talk a little bit about fetish today, and I know um, the three of us have all separately explored our own versions of fetish, but how does it work in the bar scene for starters? Like, you know, I, Steve, you and I have talked about um, fisting and, um, you know, I'm hoping... and whipping. Flogging, and, and I've had, and, yeah, and, you yeah. know, I've had parties here at my house where I do a a Christmas party that's called XXXmas that is sounds probably crazier than it really is, but it's really I think the last one we had flogging going on in in my bedroom, but really it was like a cocktail Christmas party and everyone wore leather. So there's that level of it too. But then I've gone deeper into it, and and I know you've definitely been exploring Marcos with the rope. Um, so when you're out in the bar scene, how do you do you find that you meet people? Um, that are into this kind? Do you ever bring it up? Or how does it always, like, I mean, for example, your story, like, I mean, you didn't, you stumped, that's not really a fetish story, Steve, but, no. I mean, how, how would you explain how sometimes this can come up and then you can kind of take it to the next level? Well, from what I've seen and experienced in, in my years is, you know, either somebody is wearing something that is fetish-related that attracts you, or you, you know, and, and that's frequent. Um, in the older days, I should say, um, uh, there was a hanky code. And right. Everyone that's really it. old, though. I, I mean, know. I mean, we're talking really old. It was like, yeah, but, that was like, oh, that was like passe when, when I was a kid. So. Yeah. And, but, and, and. But people still use it. They still use it. And when I ran for Mr. Eagle last year and mm-hmm. I got, you know, runner up. Okay. There was only three contestants, but <laughs> when I was runner up, <laughs> I beat one person. But <laughs> one of the things that we had to learn was the hanky code and it did come up in the Q and A and it yeah. was like, they really treated it like a big deal. Yeah. But in real life, I mean, honestly, I know Marcos. Well, but yeah. you know, it's, it's again to people, people talk now. People talk now. It's not right. like, you know, and especially New Yorkers, you know, mouthy New Yorkers. It's like, you know, hey, you want to fuck? Yeah, sure, let's go. Right. You know, and it's... Fucking's one thing, though. I mean, fucking's easy. I mean, right. nowadays, obviously, we can all get on our phones, find somebody around the corner or in 250 feet in this building, and you mm-hmm. could get fucked or fuck. Mm-hmm. But 
talking about like meeting somebody that might be like into rope play or might be into fisting or flogging, mm -hmm. that's a whole different story. But right. I mean, have you? I mean, I, don't, I guess we uh, could use our own examples. Like, I didn't know you from Adam, Marcos, and yet somehow we got on a conversation about role play. So, in a bar. Uh, before we get there, like for our uh, for the listeners who don't know some of the terminology, like I come from Puerto Rico, I'm new at here in New York, and I'm starting to learn a lot of this language. What is the hankings? Like, oh. what does oh, okay, okay. it's okay. Yeah. bad. Well. Okay. Steve, I'm going to direct that to you. <laughs> <laughs> so the hanky code was a way to indicate your fetish okay. uh, by color. And if you wore your hanky in the left pocket, your left back pocket, it meant you were a top. And if you wear it in the right, it means you're a bottom. Or dominant okay. or passive. Or as dominant it may be, or passive, because... depending on the color. So like black was S&M, uh, gray was bondage, um, red. red is fisting. Navy blue was fucking light. Robin's egg blue, which um, yeah. you can tell the difference between that and light blue, especially in a dark bar. Um, Robin's egg blue was blowjob. Um, yellow is is water sports. Uh, there's a whole, you know, purple. But then they do piercing. break it down into some of these like crazy colors, like he, like Steve said, Robin's. Eggshell, yeah. And to me, that's so ridiculous, just because it's like it's supposed to be like this tough, you know. BDSM world, and you're talking about Robin's egg, exactly, eggshell. You know, I don't know. You kind of, it kind of <laughs> like blows the whole thing. But it was back in a day where, say, the original Eagle was, um, which was on Twentieth Street. Yes. Um, the one of the things, one of the best things that I learned uh, 20th running Twentieth Street and Westside Highway. Yes, right on the corner. One of the best things that I learned running for Mr. Eagle was that in that era, you know, pre in the 70s and all that, you really took your life into your hands going to somebody's bars. And it wasn't just the Eagle, it was Rawhide, it was, help me out. <laughs> well, 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 okay, so there was the, there was the Eagle on 20th and Westside Highway. Yeah. One block up was the Spike. Okay, Spike, yeah. So, I don't know why I said Rawhide. Spike, um, thank you. So, so, and you would just go back and forth between the Eagle and the Spike. Right. Uh, and they had dress codes, too. They had yeah. dress codes. If you weren't in leather, you're not coming in. You know, um, but Marco's unlike today, where we can, you know, you know, if you got a phone call, if you got, if your taxi let you off, or you took, you walked over, you could hang out, side smoke a cigarette. You didn't really have that liberty or luxury to just kind of hang out outside of the bar because your your life was in danger by doing that. And so, I think that's a really important thing for people to know is that we have so many more liberties that we take for granted oh, yeah. today, mm -hmm. and back then. It, because these were more, you know, fetish. And as you were saying, you had to wear, you know, you're wearing gear mm -hmm. that clearly, clearly separated yourself. It. You yeah. couldn't just be, you weren't just at a dinner party. I mean, you were, yeah. you were marginalizing your own self. And then to go to a bar like that was really risky. And so I always like loved to tell that story and just to give props to those older it sounds mm. like you needed to read the gay handbook before you could go in any club over here, especially with all those it's, different in, colors. In the, in the leather bars? Yeah, it really was kind of like that because, you know, they had rules and the, what they, they had what people refer to as the old guard, which was right. very strict. You have to do it this way and you have to do it that way and very regimented. But on the other hand, you were adopted by like a family. You had friends 
who were like family to you. And sometimes these families lived together. And they, you know, every, they all had lived in the same apartment building or in the same house or what have you. But people watched out for you. You know, you would go, you'd go tell somebody, you know, I, I met this guy, I'm going home with him, and, and they'd, they'd check him out. Who is he? You know, what, you know they, they'd, they'd check him out, and they'd, you know, if they knew him, oh, yeah, I know him, yeah, he's fine, you'll have a good time. It's and then from a sex store, sex kind of thing, we didn't have, or back in the day, we didn't have all the phone stuff. So no. I understand that it was much more kinky, if you will, back then. The things that were going on in those bars, um, this is, of course, pre-Giuliani when, mm -hmm. and I know we always use his name and he isn't solely responsible for cleaning mm -hmm. up New York City, but people love to throw his name around and I'm sure he had a big hand in it. Yeah, well, let's not get political. Well, it started today. with it started with Koch actually, but, but that's, yeah, but that's, that's another a whole story. Another story. That's, a, that's another podcast. You get it, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think that probably what was going on behind those doors was a lot kinkier than what we see today. Oh, just by the mere fact that you know people were non non focused on their phone. No, and they weren't focused on their phone, and they're looking at each other and they're checking each other out. And people were having sex in the bars. Yeah, and of course it's pre-AIDS and, and it was things pre -AIDS, of that. And... You know the the yeah, it's like the the mine shaft, um, which is now a little candy store oh. in the meatpacking district. Just cracks me up. Uh, I mean the again, this was something like the old guard, and somebody from the old guard would take you there and introduce you to it. You know, right. same thing with the eagle. You were taken there. They would dress you. No, you can't wear that. You got to wear this. Yeah. And they taught you the culture, and they would take you there. And this is this is how things go. This is what what's happening. Yeah. You know, it, but you'd walk into the mine shaft, and you know there are guys sitting down on the 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 bar, you know, the the footrest of the bar, you know, to suck dick. Yeah. You know, so you're standing at the bar talking to your friend while you're both getting blowjobs. Yeah. You know? No, seriously. It's, Marcos, I've got some good books because, and believe me, a lot of this was new to me too. But when I was running for Mr. Eagle, like I said, one of the best things that came out of it was I really learned about our history and how hard it was to really be kinky and, mm -hmm. and the levels that people went to. It is possible, I think, today to meet people. People are out there. But I'm just curious, like, do you guys have any stories of people that you've met, you know, where you wanted to go there? And the person was open to trying something kinky other than just fucking, whether it was flogging, fisting. I know you have stories, <laughs> and I'll tell mine. I mean, uh, I mean, I well, I mean, we I all should, have stories. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of a story that, uh, like, because certainly, like, I hang out there, and at first it was all about fashion, and then it was about running for this, and then, then I started to know people. But really, I have met people and I think sometimes it just happens naturally like there's a place here in New York paddles that mm -hmm. um, I've gone to and in talking to them um, I think I've just like you know been such a wallflower at that bar just like I am at the Eagle and gotten to know I'm, I'm always I have this thing about me that I love to know the people that work at a certain place mm -hmm. and yeah. if I like a place and then I like same thing in paddles and so what makes I, it work yeah what right, makes yeah. it work and mm -hmm. one of them happened to be a rope expert there and then the other one happened to be a fister and they took me to this place next door that was fascinating that has different rooms that apparently clients bring their, oh no, 
these experts bring their clients there, and sometimes it's a dominatrix, or sometimes it's um, one of the guys, and they have like different rooms, like I'm so they're rentable at, playrooms. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. And it's, is there a link? <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's literally <laughs> next paddles. to, and this isn't giving away any. It's next to paddles, and it's not a place that you would, you can't just. It's very discreet, and you, I don't think you can just well, ring the bell. Paddles is discreet, too. Paddles is, yeah. but Paddles is open to the general public when their right. hours are open. This right. one, you have to be brought in by somebody, okay. and it would be like one of my friends who had me be a fly on the wall and sit in on one of his mm -hmm. sessions, and it happened to be a British man who liked to be humiliated, and he brought me into one of the dungeon rooms and this guy literally and of course i was freaked out because i was like you hadn't seen that i had told my friend i said are you sure this is okay i mean this guy's paying good money why does he want me and he's like he what? likes to be humiliated you are my guest he does whatever i say mm -hmm. therefore and if i want yes, somebody okay. here to humiliate him in front it's part of, of the fantasy, that's just yes. gonna make it right. for but him. of course i was panicked and didn't even know where i was doing <laughs> and it was like a saturday and i was like i think it was at zara earlier and he's like texting me and you know so i threw down the fashion and ran over there and and I got such an eyeful mm -hmm. of it. It was fascinating to yeah. me, like truly yeah. fascinating to me. Well, I'm, the kink is like everything. Once be, before you get to know what exactly it is, it's a little bit unnerving, especially when it's something so extreme. Mm -hmm. so when you hear about the kink, uh, first of all, you think like BDS, um, sadomasochism, mm -hmm. someone hitting someone. At least when I hear <laughs> when I started hearing about the kink, that's the first thing that would come to mind: whipping vlogging and once I started learning a little bit more about it I understood that there's a whole new world world towards it like it's not just about uh, the action it's more about like who like the um, situation the connection, the connection exactly you, you, and you brought that up earlier and that's that's very much the case you know people think you know oh you, you know you you're just hurting somebody or you just like to be hurt and it's like it's not that's the surface and, and it's a very thin surface. It, you know, fisting is the same way. Fisting, flogging, whipping. You well, know. fisting in particular, I don't think anybody goes in thinking that they, hey, I want to get fisted because it immediately has a cringe. For, for a lot of people, I think it has a cringe factor. Right. You think, oh, my God, what am I doing down there? Am I wrecking everything down there? What am I and doing down there? Where, what's he doing down there? You yeah, know, whichever. and I can yeah. attest that I've tried it. And mm -hmm. on the receiving end... And initially, I would have been like, um, you know, freaked out. But you said something is that when you start talking to people, it's mm -hmm. almost like I have, and maybe that's what it is about all three of us, is, or at least for me personally, is like I have such a detective like investigative side to myself. I love when there's something that piques my interest, I want to know more. That's probably really why. I love to know all these people at these mm -hmm. different bars I go to, and I want right. to, but I don't want, I want to know the staff, and I want to know everyone that works, and I want to know like, what do you do? And because I'm peeling away those layers and I find it all fascinating. Well, the same with this is like the more you question and learn and, and the more you understand it, the more you want to get involved into it or the less scary you are towards it. Mm -hmm. You know, once you shine a light into something, it becomes less scary. Uh, unlike when you're like walking in the dark room, just hitting your walls against something, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's, what's there exactly. actually. So that's actually the scary part. Um, for example, uh, for me, when I started with bondage, um, one of the scariest thing for me is hurting the other person. Uh, I'm, I'm going to restrain them. So they're mm -hmm. giving all of their um, 
control control yeah, towards right. me and when it comes to control it's not just about them doing what i say but it's about safety in bondage especially about safety mm -hmm. because it's in some way kidnapping you got someone in the floor without control. able to well move. and yeah. it's trust and it's communication which is goes back to what we're talking about again is that it's a communication of you and whoever that is no matter if you happen to be dominant and the other one is passive it's still a communication the dominant is hopefully listening to the submissive to see right. how much they can take or or want to take mm -hmm. and the submissive is giving them cues and and so forth and there should you know obviously those at home i mean there should always be some sort of safe word or when someone says no Definitely. it's no so it's sort of like these worlds that you create but before you get to those worlds which is what my original question was it's like how do we get to those places i mean i happen to be with somebody that's hanging out at these places and just like right. hanging out after hours and like you know the dishwasher practically knows me but i mean how does like your average person like you know find out i mean steve well and that's that's an it's an interesting point too because as i was talking about earlier you know when you were dealing with people from the old guard they would bring you into their world and they would and you learn to trust them and trust is a big factor in any fetish yes. you have to have some kind of a trust relationship you know so people who think they're going to go and they're going to you know just meet somebody and we're going to start you know fisting or we're going to start right. flogging not necessarily yeah not necessarily because right. there has to be some kind of a trust and what some of the clubs provided you know the sex clubs you know, of the 80s and the 70s and the 80s. Right. And there's even some sex clubs now. You know, you went with a group of people. Right. You know, or a fisting party or something like that. You're with other people who are keeping an eye out for you. Right. They're not going to let you play with... They're not going to invite somebody to the party that's going to be dangerous. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, but see, that doesn't exist now as much. It does. I mean, well, it maybe does, some it of does the... Maybe somewhat, some of the, but not like it used to. You're maybe right. some of the parties, you know, certainly exist now. Mm -hmm. But, like, I would argue for a lot of new people, a new person's not going to just want to run in there to a new party. I mean, there's sex parties going on all the time, and I find it daunting to kind of want to go to one of those parties because right. it's, you know... Where back in there, it was just more prevalent. Mm -hmm. You could kind of, you know, it was just... Oh, it was, it was regular. Right. <laughs> it was regular. Right. For me, what is so interesting when you talk about the old vanguard is how you speak of it as a family, you know. Yes. People take care of you. People mm -hmm. uh, teach you how, what to wear, what to do, what to be careful about. Exactly. And nowadays, with all these technologies, you can do it by yourself. You can learn all that. But then again, yes. you never know who you're meeting. You don't know who you're meeting, and you don't have anybody watching out for you. Exactly. You know, if you meet somebody on Grinder, you know, and Grinder or Growler or Scruff or Adam for Adam, Recon. Whatever, Recon. Yeah. You meet people on these sites, and, and I've met people on these sites. Sure. And, you know, but it's usually... If it's something that's a, that's a fetish, it's usually somebody, they know somebody else that I know. Okay, you right, know, yeah. Before I would, you know, agree to do much with them. You know? Yeah, Recon's probably a little bit um, closer to what we're talking about because right. it's an app that does deal with specific fetishes and you can actually put what your fetish is and you know when you well, download the app. By, it sorts people by fetishes. Yes. So. Yeah, so at least that there's that. Mm -hmm. um, but... It and you know, going back to, I did a party here. It's my second party I did, X X Xmas party. Hard to say that, but 
and in the back we had um, like a flogger. Um, mm -hmm. He wouldn't care if I said Christoph, and we were doing it in the back room. But he's what I would call an expert flogger, and he was do teaching people in the back. Well, there were mm -hmm. so many people that came to my party that were just my friends and wanted to come, and they were intrigued and put on harnesses or leather or whatever it was, and had a good time. But what was really interesting to me is that they. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Some people would never have tried getting flogged in their mm -hmm. entire life and thought of it as maybe you were saying earlier scary. as scary or mm -hmm. whatever. But because it was a safe, because I created exactly. a safe environment, they so many people, one of my good friends tried it and he was like, oh my God. He even posted it on Facebook. Like, yeah. <laughs> I got flogged today and it was so good and put a picture. I'm like, okay, wow, that's like really going there. Mm -hmm. yeah. But so I yeah, think when that, you it's that it trust that's that trust environment. They did um, for a while there. They were doing uh, jockstrap night, and yes. I Wednesday. was going there Wednesdays. It's back yes. on. But when it first started, I was going there, and I noticed all these guys were coming to the Eagle that I had maybe seen in Hell's Kitchen mm -hmm. that never went out to the Eagle, never really knew anything about. But they were coming because it was jockstrap night, and it started to fill up and fill up, and all of a sudden. Um, you know, it was this huge, massive Wednesday night party. Well, as many of us know here in New York, you know, sexual activity in a bar scene is not really legal. Now, we can say whatever we want about what goes on at times at certain bars or even the Eagle, but it was starting to get out of hand there that I think they had to kind of shut well, it down. But my whole point... It was convenient on, and accessible. Right. Yes, but I think my whole... Strap. So in some ways it was like, yay, you know, the Eagle's now getting all this, you know, customers, clients, whatever you want to call them on a, on a Wednesday night. But were they really the right, you know, customers and clients? Because they were really kind of coming for the what was jockstrap night. They They're didn't know anything the about the eagle. And then, of course, when that, like, I don't even know if it was the fetish. I think they were just, well, are we calling jockstrap fetish? Or sure. is it just that they want to see guys in? Because nowadays well, they do underwear parties all over the place. And right. it's just, like, or jockstrap parties. In some ways, I guess, 
jock straps underwear parties have bled into the mainstream gay culture, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. And I think they were coming for that versus learning about BDSM and what the culture really is about. And not mm-hmm. that I want everybody to be like, you know, waving flags, the BDSM flag, but I don't know that it really helped the fetish community out. And I think that's why it sort of failed mm-hmm. in some way. Yeah. I mean, but I don't know. I, I, mean, I think part of it is fetish. I mean, I, I know lots of guys who, you know, who, who buy things off of eBay, you know, guys who have worn their jock strap for, you know, for three weeks straight and never washed it and then they put it in a plastic well, bag. Well, that and, is a, you know, wow. That's, that's a is. fetish. Yeah. But these <laughs> yeah, guys. Wow. <laughs> it's the piggy fetish. It's a big fetish. I mean, yeah. And of course, Orange is the New Black is doing a whole thing on like, you know, worn underwear mm-hmm. in, from inmates selling it to China. And I'm assuming they got that from like a real life story. Oh, absolutely. But I would bet that most of the people that were coming to the first round of Jockstrap Night at the Eagle were just coming because. Uh, being in your underwear or being in your jock for the gay mm-hmm. community has become a sort of a mainstream right. phenomenon. It's and not I, fetish in my mind. I don't know. What do you think? Well, uh, another uh, fetish is also being exhibitionist. You know, you want to show off your body. Exactly. You worked out so you could have a nice body for summer. So you want to show those abs. You want to show those pegs. You want to show those glutes. And what better way for uh, underwear or a uh, jock strap night, which you, mm-hmm. ha- you had your ass out. You only have like a cloth. Uh, covering your private parts and that's it. So maybe you won't go there to do something specifically just to stroll around and let other guys see you. Well, and you know what? That's really good. You guys have brought up two points where I was totally thinking of it in a totally different way that it was becoming just mainstream and they had nothing to do with fetish in the ego world. But in reality, now I'm kind of seeing it. It's also from the the voyeur perspective too. It is becoming a fetish Mm-hmm. I guess, if you will, yeah. And I didn't think of it that way. It just, unfortunately, it was getting people were doing too many sexual things in that world right. that wasn't allowed. So, yeah. Um, could we do something like could we search out the definition of the word fetish so we could have a little bit of more information? But because, in my knowledge, uh, fetish is brought into anything that a person likes and could sexualize it make it into maybe a game, mm-hmm. a role play, or just, you know, have fun with it in different ways. Well, and I think you're right. And in some ways, I shouldn't be too mad at it because I got into leather and it started out, I mean, if you really, in the 90s, I was a, a go-go dancer and we would occasionally wear like, you know, harnesses and shock straps and all that that were in the... <laughs> But it meant nothing to me in terms of like, you know, fetish. BDSM and the and fetish. And I didn't know any of my history back then. It was simply another outfit for me to get up and wear on. And then cut to, you know, now I'm like in my 40s and I'm running for Mr. Eagle and I've learned so much about it. So I think I've gotten a little bit more on my high horse about, you know, this is what BDSM is. And I just think these guys are. But in some ways, when I did get into leather here... I mean, the ego really just was a place that I could go to by myself. Yeah. That and, and, and wear your leather and, and be you. Be your leather person. Yeah. Yeah. And actually just your fetish person go by myself, leather. too. I mean, there's so yeah. many bars in many cities or here in New York City that I wouldn't just run in there by myself because I would feel foolish. And so many people go with cliques of friends, and that's fine. I think that's all great. But 
the Eagle was the one bar that I could go by myself, and nobody looked at me like I was strange. I could actually go to the bar by myself. Right. And then that led into the leather that I liked, and at first it was like a fashion statement, and then it led into researching more and then actually getting more into it. So mm-hmm. I guess I shouldn't be so mad at those that are exploring it, even if it is just for the underwear. Because they look pretty in it. And yeah. that's a but that <laughs> Which is, is okay could too. be a fetish, yeah. right, Marcus? It was okay yeah, too. right. I mean, the old guard would have not put up with that at all. Okay. <laughs> but where are these old guards, by the oh, way? Uh, they're on, they're mostly dead. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Or maybe beer bust on a Sunday night, or occasionally. Well, there's 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 a couple of them that you still see at the Eagle, you know, running around in their in their gear. Yes, <laughs> yes, <know>? of course. <laughs> but, so. Oh um, yeah. So anyway, so so I went to uh, Wikipedia because they know everything. Yes. Uh, fetish in the sexual sense, sexual fetishism, a sexual attraction to objects or body parts of lesser sexual importance or none at all, such as feet or certain types of clothing. Well, um, jockstrap certainly fits into that. Right. Yeah. But rope does, and yeah. I just I guess wish that. some of these other fetishes would come into play a little bit more like rope and you know without you know the old school bars and all that Mm -hmm. where it was a little bit people were playing around and if there's no like you know i am going to do a party another christmas party and and rope is going to be a big part of it but there's not a lot of examples right we you know you and i marcos are trying to like bring it up a little bit more but a little yes yeah but I guess I'm curious, like, besides um, me, when have you met, you know, somebody else that was, like, into rope, or did you have to join a group, or what was it? Well, for me, I learned by myself. Um, being back home, Puerto Rico, the little island that it is, we don't have... Tons of rope playing there, I'm sure, right, <laughs> oh, on the yeah, island. Right. We can hope. Yeah, I would just go down the street, We right? could hope, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh, there, aren't as many, there aren't as many gay places in general, and less of all... Um, kink related like we don't have a place like the eagle or raw bar or any of these places which you could go and feel comfortable being different over there it's like you know your typical gay scene you got to be fashion or you are there to meet someone to hook up normal things but um for me i just started with recon actually i met people through the internet and i just started talking about the different uh, fetishes and their different fantasies like i discovered there that you could anything could be coming to a fetish as long as you're willing to sexualize it Mm -hmm. that's true so um uh for me the control aspect of it was a big thing and me being a small thin man i like dominating big and muscular guys, which physically is a little bit hard since I'm not that strong. So uh, bondage interested me in that way because I could tie them on, restrain them, Mm -hmm. and without having to put much strength into it, I could do what I wanted to do or what I needed to do at the moment. Mm -hmm. So I started um, talking with other guys. We started um, experimenting like our different fetishes or our different fantasies that we wanted to do. And I just started learning about rope. And for the first time, I had like an interaction. It was when I came over here to New York for the first time. And it was this um, American muscle guy. And um, he let me play with his equipment for a while. What do you mean by equipment? Well. (laughs) His cock. Not a, no, I mean like fetish equipment. No, not no. Just he, means, he means gear equipment. Gear oh, okay, equipment, yes. Package equipment. Got it. it <laughs> I, of course I go there. Yeah, well. 
<laughs> for me, it was like going into the BDSM Disney World, actually, because he had a basement equipped with um, um, exercise equipment, and then you you had hit, he had in the other side he has his rope, he had his chains, he had his whips, flogs, chastity belts, uh, cages. He had a lot of things. He went through all the spectrum of BDSM. So imagine my excitement the gay when I opened that. Of gray. He probably yes. came just walking in the door. <laughs> Basically. <Wow. laughs> But it was interesting because in that, in that time, I actually didn't get to play much bondage. I didn't have that much experience, and I still was scared when it came to safety, not wanting to hurt him. And when it comes to bondage, you got to be very careful about True. safety. Right. But that, I'm curious, two things, actually. One of them is, did you meet this person on recon or being out and about? I met him on recon. Okay, so we're learning a little bit about, like, nowadays, it does sometimes, thank God for recon, because you can explore that. Yes, thank God and for And then recon. for you, because you, Marcos, you and I have talked about a little bit, um, when, how do you work out when you meet somebody, well, on recon it's probably easy because you can say whether you're a passive or a dominant, and how have, at least in that situation, how have you found people respond to your dominant side because you've said yourself I'm not you know you said dominant that yeah, you've said that you're um, even yeah say well <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say but you get it I mean how um, have you um, how have people responded to that for me it's easier through recon because without having to exchange um, pictures we just talk about what we like we try to get to know each other in the fantasy or fetish aspect of it so um, they get to see that side of me which they're looking for instead of having their own preconception of how I act according to how I look. So, and so that you're getting aspect, all of that out of the way ahead uh, exactly. of time. I'm more androgynous. I'm dominant. I like this, and all those things that might be like confusing or whatever. When you're you getting, meet face yeah. to face, and uh, nowadays sometimes uh, having sex it's like a handshake. It's like we right. meet, we have sex, we we hook up, and we don't necessarily know each other's names. Right, or That's want true. to. So, yeah, that's true. At or least, want to. Yeah, or exactly, want to. or want to, because it's... Or so it was great, and yeah, I mean... Oh, thanks, bye. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. But I think when you do meet somebody that is into a, you know, a kinky nature that piques your interest, you're more inclined to maybe want to keep them around, or oh, if nothing else another resource or what it whatever if finding a relationship with a person that you could actually connect is difficult imagine when you put the sexual aspect into it where it's not just about personality but also about what you both guys want and like like the fantasy because uh for example i'm into master slave bondage and then i could meet someone who's into more humiliation but necessarily i don't do humiliation Right. So that's something that we might not connect. Yeah. I mean, and I'm still old school, I think, and I talk to people and I like to go to the bars and I've been exploring the BDSM a little bit and I've had good stories and, and maybe not so, like I was exploring, a, like there is a part of me that likes the dominant, um, in control person at times mm -hmm. that may slaps you around or whatever, but I've... I've had situations where, you know, that person then came home with me and I was still trying to figure it out on 
on the level, and I don't even know if we had a conversation about it, and then maybe in my mind that person went a little bit further than... <laughs> Like, I was exploring it, and I like a little bit of that, but I like it blended in with some other things. Right. And I felt like we didn't, A, have a conversation, but then I, that, that they were the dominant one. Mm-hmm. And then it led to probably a place, I had to almost, like, stop it. And I think I did, because I was like, that's just a little further than I wanted to go. Right. Like, I'm not going to, you know, crawl over to you all night long here and, you know, lick your, you know, shoot. Yeah. I'm just, like, you know. Oh, I won't, on. And then it started to, and then, <laughs> exactly. And I felt at one point it was starting to become like, you know, when you become, when you can pull yourself out of it and look down and be like, this is like ridiculous. Yeah, this is not fun for and me. And no longer yeah. sexual. Yeah. You exactly. know you're out of the game, right? Exactly. But, and this guy was supposedly like a dominant expert type, but I think, you know, I don't think that whole communication is happening as much as we think. Well, that's another thing I like about uh, the web pages or the sites. It's like when you meet someone in the bar, you have that instant attraction, and someone you just you just want to take them to your apartment or somewhere else with that preconception of what you're gonna do. Mm-hmm. At least when I'm meeting someone through the internet, I try to talk as much as we can, get to know as much as we can about each other, and then go to meetings so that when, when we met, at least we have some uh, type of knowledge about each other and what we're looking for. Instead of having that experience yeah. where you had that small chit-chat or conversation, you yeah. came home expecting something, and then when the experience came to it, like the situation came, it was like, it wasn't exactly what you expected. Right. And I just feel there's examples of, because, you know, I don't always have great experiences on the apps and all that. But then this was an example of somebody that I met that I had seen several times in the bars. And that wasn't great either. So I feel like there's just a lack of, you know, I don't know, things happening in the bars like I wish like maybe you know not to put the eagle on the spot like they have to all of a sudden be but maybe like you know I could be throwing more things or just events or parties that would show some of these BDSM activities right. and and get people to interact more in that way well and there used to be uh, the GMSMA the Gay Men's SM Association or I don't remember what the A was but there was this association um, and that's essentially what they did, but right. it kind of, it kind of went too far the other way. Then that's what you're talking about, old guard and all that. Because there was a lot of old guard in there, and then people would be, they'd come up and they'd say, "Oh, well, we're going to give you a demo on, on flogging today," and say, "Oh, yes, and this is how you do it, but don't do it, and d- don't play with somebody who's not experienced like me," you know. And it became this big ego thing. And it's just like, right. you know, and you know, like, oh, come on. You know, and then it was just these fighting egos. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's interesting <laughs> because uh, I can relate when I start working or looking for a job. Like, I had, like, my theory... Um, I, I had my theory about the job, but then they expected me to have experience. But how are we going to have experience if we don't get to experience it you know right so going to that how people expect you know you can only do this with someone with experience okay but how are you going to gain experience if you don't hit or miss you know exactly and and that's it it can't it's very hit or miss And, and on apps i've seen more hit or miss for me anyway than i than i have in the bars right 
you know, definitely so. misses on my part. Yeah, yeah. particularly being, when it comes to BDSM. Right. Yeah, fucking's one thing, but yeah, fucking's one thing. It's just you know or vanilla or whatever. Yeah. I don't really like to call it vanilla because you know it's, it's some people have a fetish about that. You know. Right. Right. <laughs> I like to fuck. You know. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So, so I mean, what would you guys propose? I mean, like, I mean, I know you're doing a lot of exploration in this area, Marcos, and and you know, you and I are working on a couple projects and small as they may be but you know what would you um propose as things that we could do to kind of get people more into it well then again it depends on the person you know whatever works for each individual uh my advice would be try it both play it to fill it out a little bit if you're if you're the type of guy who is into getting to know the person physically first like the bar scene might be good for you you can right. get a feel of that of that person by looking at them by interacting with them and then decide if you want to take them home or not but if you're the type of person like me i need to assess the person first before getting to know them and see where is it going to go well sometimes talking to them through phone an app texting it helps because then you get a sense of where that person is coming from mm -hmm. right but again it all depends on what the individual prefers and i think that's what all of this is you know leading up to and why we're you know we're doing the podcast and such is is talking about it exploring right. and communication you know communication it comes down to communication exploring whether going to some of these bars and then talking to different people and and meeting different people and talking like their proclivities and such <laughs> and then going on the apps like recon and and exploring those and seeing putting your profile up there and seeing right. what you get and and then maybe you know finding people that are throwing some of these parties and mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean you have to necessarily go to them but keep talking and exploring on your end and find out what your sexual proclivities or where you're leaning towards and then explore those more you know right doesn't mean you have to do anything but i, th I, th I think one of the most important things you can do is especially with the apps because that's how most every you know web apps and web pages that's how a large majority of the people are meeting now right be honest be honest in what you're looking for and be honest in what your experience is mm -hmm. you know if you if you're interested in fisting you're exploring fisting put it in your profile i would like to explore fisting right, right. so that you're not saying you know I'm I'm as wide as the Holland Tunnel, you know. Exactly. Right. So somebody with a giant hand isn't going to, you know, want to try to try to break your cherry because yeah. it's not never going to work. Uh, but be just be honest about what you're looking for and what your experience level is. Mm -hmm. No one's going to chastise you for saying, "I've never done it before. I've never been fisted. I would like to." Right. Right. You know? Um, because somebody, and, and then when you're talking to people, when you're looking on the web page, make sure that this person that, that you're going to hook up with has some background. And you're reading their profile you know, thoroughly, too, because, right? Because uh, I find that's a big thing, too. Sometimes exactly. like, oh, shit, and you mean that they only do raw or, and yeah. okay to those that are raw, that's fine. But, you know, for some of us, it's not. And Well, but again, the raw sex, that's become a fetish. Is it a fetish or? Absolutely. It's become I don't a know that I agree that it's a fetish. I, I just think it's like, him, it's I'm fetish, not sure I'm there that it's a fetish. I think it's just, you know, because of certain things like prep, people are, is it a fetish? I mean, didn't people really always want to just have sex without condoms before? Well, well everyone always did have sex without condoms. Right. In fact, so before, before how did the it AIDS then crisis, become a fetish? Before the AIDS crisis, condoms, having sex with a condom used to be a fetish. 
A fetish or yeah. just a necessity? No, it was a fetish because before. no, everyone fucked bareback. You know, before the AIDS crisis, everyone right. fucked bareback. You know, it's not like you need birth control. You know, and so yeah, everyone fucked bareback all the time. Guess, yeah. So it's like, hey, this guy likes to fuck with condoms. Ooh, that could be fun. Because it was you different, know? I guess. Because yeah. it was different, and it was kind of like a, ooh, that's out of the ordinary. That I didn't you know. know. Wow. Okay. And I, I really think that you know that 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 it's that bareback has become more of a fetish. There are sites, you know, for bareback. Oh, you know, sure. Yeah. That are. And then when AIDS came up, like people were so scared about this whole new uh, illness that it will kill us because it was the gay illness, the right. gay, yeah. it was the gay sick plague. Thing. Right. So uh, uh, condom became a necessity. We needed right. to use condom to protect well, ourselves, and there it, were those who would who would not use it. Of course, they were risking their life. And coming to what you said, Steve, the prep. Now that we could use prep and be safer, now it's our decision whether to use the prep and be bottom and and be bareback or still use the condom. So right. it's the decisions between what is what makes it feel better or what do we prefer right. in right. sex. And that's a whole other topic that's that we'll that, get more into that, on another that, yeah, that's on another episode. Well, we we're almost wow. We, Almost at our hour mark here, if you guys, wow, can you we, believe it? We are getting there, yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, to wrap up, at least for this conversation um, about fetish, um, just some cl closing thoughts on how we can kind of continue this whole uh, fetish movement. I know you suggested a few things on, on we all agreed communication is, and I know we are certainly not trying to be the end-all be answers here, but I know for me, I'm... You know, this party that I did start um, really was for an own personal thing because I was exploring my Christmas party. And it, because a lot of my friends fortunately came along on the journey with me and mm -hmm. supported it, now loved it. And then they came back a second time. And then I did the fashion show. And um, I would say communication, just like explore. Don't be afraid to go out by yourself and, and or with partners mm -hmm. that you meet up. Just like, throw in something that you might be thinking about and 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 that's why I started this is that I think the more you can kind of like openly talk about sex and gay sex and things that you're right. in, whether you want to do it or you're intrigued about it if is just going to open up that dialogue and you'll find people are not as judgmental as you thought and could lead into an exploratory sexual life so I don't know what Steve any thoughts yeah, on I agree I agree you know just to do what feels right. Do what feels right. Explore it. If it if it intrigues you, there's a reason for it. So try it out. Be sensible. Right. And be honest. You know, there's it, it, there's no harm in saying I've never done this before, but I would like to try it because there are plenty of people out there who are willing to show you. Right. And, right. And, and tell them you're a newbie so that if you're going to do flogging, they know you need to be gentle to start with because yeah. you yeah. haven't done this. Well, Same and that's thing why with I think. Bondage, yeah. You know. Because if you you, you're, you have a fantasy about being tied up, you'd like to try it, but halfway through you freak out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I can't move. Okay, happens. then the top knows what's going on. They know they tie some quick knots yeah. so they can quickly undo, and, and then you're okay. And that's a good thing and to say. And that builds trust, too. It does, and I think it's, it is the one thing to be concerned about or careful with is that when you do start exploring, you sometimes could find yourself in compromising positions. Yes, and very vulnerable Not everybody, spots. because there isn't a lot of people out there talking about all of this or, or doing it, not everyone knows when to stop on either end, whether it's to speak up and say enough, or on the other end, 
that they, in my situation, which I was fine, but I felt, you know, he kept wanting to go further and further. So that's why I do think, you know, there needs to be more education, more examples Mm -hmm. of things that are comfortable. And that seems like a whole new topic about dominance and submissiveness. Yes, and submissiveness and safe words. We're going to have to explore that. Well, I want to thank you both. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. I would like to thank you again for listening. I welcome any feedback um, or like I said before, just say hi and we will continue to produce and offer you more stimulating gay sex conversation. So I will be back next week with a special, special guest. Check out our blog and website, talkaboutgaysex.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at talkaboutgaysex. That's at talkaboutgaysex. I'm Steve Rodriguez. Great talking to you. And I will see you next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park